Welcome, everybody. Great to see uh, so many bright and smiley faces in person. Uh, welcome those that are watching online. Special welcome to Joanne and Rob, who are faithful. They're there uh, pretty much every week, part of that online community. So, again, thanks for being here, and thanks for being part of all that we're doing here. Hey, do you guys ever, let's just be honest, like once, once Christmas is over, do you ever feel like, so now what? Like, now what? Like, all this hype, everything, all this buildup, and it comes and it goes, and you're like, now what? Am I the only one that feels that way sometimes? Yeah, I, I got to be honest, like, so around the church, Christmas is kind of a big deal, right? And so we got all this buildup, you know, it's all this decorating going on, the place looks beautiful, and then there are the services, like Christmas Eve services, and I'll be honest, like, I feel a lot of pressure around that, because a lot of times folks are coming, and that's like the only time they come, you know, a year, anybody familiar with that? That may be true for some of you, but the, uh, but uh, you're, you're just hoping that 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 is good enough that they are excited to maybe come back and check you out a second time, right? And so I feel the pressure of that. And then, then it's always the same message. I don't know if you knew that on Christmas Eve, but it's like Easter. They're always the same message. So you're, you're trying to figure out how do we keep this fresh? How do we make this relevant? And so this year we kind of did a little throwback in uh, tradition and we did lessons and carols. And, and we really told the story known as the gospel, this good news of Jesus Christ. And we went all the way back to Genesis where it all began and we would share a lesson from the scriptures and then there was a corresponding carol that we would sing. And um, a lot of, of uh, time and effort went into putting that together, especially the five o'clock service. If you guys were here or a part of that or watched that online, you know, we were doing it inside and then we had the group outside and we were going back and forth. And so I want to say a special thank you to all the, the technical crew, all the, the musicians and singers. They did a fabulous job pulling that off. It was really sweet. So at the end of the day, you know, I finally get to go home and I'm sitting there with my family and I'm just... Like, I'm relieved. You know, it, it is over. And, and um, I'm just able to enjoy being with my family. And then um, that relief quickly dissipates. Because I start thinking, you know what? Next Sunday's coming. And, like, I'm going to have to do this all over again. And, and what am I going to speak about? And, and then not only is next Sunday coming, but a new year is coming. What does the new year hold, and what should we be doing, and what should we be expecting? What are some of the, the challenges that we're going to face, some of the victories that we're going to get to experience together? And then I started wondering, what difference does Jesus' birth really make in the life of the folks in our community? Like, like just be honest, like what difference does the birth of Jesus really make in people's lives? Because I look at our attendance on Christmas Eve, which happens to be, you know, typically the second most highly attended service of the year behind Easter. And so last Sunday, as we, we gathered together, there were over a thousand people here, a thousand people that were either in, in person or watching online. And I'm thinking, that was pretty good, you know, it was pretty significant. But I started thinking about today, how many people would show up today? We'll probably have five or 600 people, which is pretty good, you know, by, by church standards, because there's a, a couple of our sister churches, they're not even meeting today. They're not even meeting today because it's such a low-attended service. 
And so what difference does the birth of Jesus really make in the lives of people in our community? What difference does he make in your life? And so I want us to explore a couple questions this morning. One is, so what? So what difference does Jesus' birth really make? And then now what? Now what? What do we do as a result of his birth? So to do that, we're going to be in Galatians chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 4 through 7. If you have a church Bible, you want to follow along, it's page 1153. But let's begin in verse 4. It said, But when the set time had fully come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Let's take a closer look at verse 4. It said, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. If you look at verse 4, it's referencing all that we've been celebrating this week. It's referencing the birth of Jesus, the birth of Jesus. And and we see here that that God had promised um, since really the fall of mankind that he would send a savior, somebody to rescue us from our sin, from our rebellion against God, that he would free us from the penalty and the power of sin. So we see this, again, from Genesis all the way through Jesus' birth, his life, his death, his resurrection. But the question is still before, so what? What difference does any of that make? If you look at verse 4, look at the last four um, words with me here. And I think this starts to get at it. It says really that, that Jesus, who was the Son of God and is the Son of God, was born under the law. Was born under the law. What does that mean? Why does that matter that he was born under the law? Well, again, it's important to understand that, that sin, as we know it, came about when Adam and Eve chose to rebel against God, to go their own way. And it caused this separation, this divide between mankind and God. And as a result of that, God instituted, it was a sacrificial system, a sacrificial system. It was a law, if you will. And it was a way to atone for or repair that broken relationship between God and us. And so without going into a lot of details, what would happen is a sacrifice needed to be made for sin. And um, it would be a sign of our remorse. Typically, they would take a lamb without spot or blemish, and they would sacrifice the lamb. It wouldn't be every man or woman or child doing that. Typically, it would be the high priest who would do it on behalf of the people. But there was a challenge. There was a problem with this animal sacrifice. Because guess what happened after the animal was sacrificed? The people would just go and sin again, right? And so that's the predicament we find ourselves in, that no animal can be a perfect sacrifice. It cannot fully take away the penalty and the power of sin. So we need a better sacrifice. 
a perfect sacrifice, a lasting sacrifice. But where would we find that? The only place you can find a sacrifice like that is from God himself. And that's why Jesus was born, because he was the better sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice, the lasting sacrifice. But here's the deal. His birth was not the end of it all. It was just the beginning. It was just part of the plan. It was just part of the plan. And so many people, this is lost on so many people, they come and they celebrate the birth of Jesus, and then, then what? Then what? We begin to get a, a, an answer to the so what, then what question in verse 5. Again, we see that Jesus died. And why did he die? Verse 5 says, to redeem those under the law. To redeem those under the law. It says, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. That we might receive adoption to sonship. So Jesus was born under the law to redeem us who are under the law as well, under this sacrificial system. So to redeem is to buy back. To redeem is to buy back. Anybody um, fans of Pawn Stars when it was on? Anybody? Me and Woody. The, uh, the, uh, <clears throat> most of you guys know Pawn Stars. If you don't, I'll explain it to you. I mean, I couldn't believe everybody wasn't a fan of Pawn Stars. But any, if you're not, maybe you're not in the pawn industry and... Uh, you're not familiar with how pawning works, but it, the, I love this, this setting. So it's in Las Vegas, so it's a little sleazy out there. But the, uh, you got Rick. Rick is the, the guy that owns the pawn shop, right? And, and then he's got his dad they call the old man. He, he is just a miserable, well, he's dead now. But, the, um, but anyhow, he's just a miserable old guy. And then, then you have Rick's son, Corey. And, and then you have my favorite character uh, on the show. Anybody know his name? Chumley, right? In Chumley, the best. So anyhow, so you got these guys, and, and they work at the pawn shop, and then people would come up who, who need money, and so they bring in something that they own, and they bring it into the pawn shop, and then the question is asked, do you want to pawn it or sell it? Do you want to pawn it or sell it? And so to pawn it means that you are going to, if you have the item, you're going to give it to the pawn shop. They will hold it, and they will give you a loan of a certain amount that you guys agree to. And then, during a specified period of time, you can bring back the money and redeem or buy back that item. You get it? Now, if you do not bring back that specified amount of money at the agreed upon time, guess what happens to your item? It's lost to you forever. It's lost to you forever. And see, that's a picture of what we see here with Jesus, that he came to redeem us, to buy us back. And it says right here that he came at just the right time, at just the right time to buy us back from the penalty of our sin, to redeem us. That's what we see taking place here. So Jesus comes to redeem us, to buy us back. But again, just like with his birth, it's not the end. It's not the end. His death is not the end. It's just part of the process. 
It's part of the process. And when Jesus comes and, and when he came and, and he, he died for our sin because that was the cost, right? So the price that was agreed upon to redeem us or to buy us back was the life of Jesus. And when he paid that price, he didn't buy us back just to put us on some proverbial um, shelf, right? Um, that's not the point. He had something greater in mind for us. He had a greater purpose for us. And, and we begin, again, seeing this in verse 5. It, it goes on and says that we might receive adoption to sonship. I think this is what he had in view because Jesus' death redeemed us from the penalty of sin. Well, guess what? His resurrection redeemed us from the power of sin. So his, his death redeemed us, bought us back from the penalty of sin, but his resurrection is what redeemed us from the power of sin. That's what gives us new and eternal life. So um, we talk about that here at Orchard Hills every week. We do communion here, and we recite like the Apostles' Creed or, or what we did on Christmas Eve. We even did the Nicene Creed, which is a little longer and more in-depth. But every week we're proclaiming that Jesus died for us. And we proclaim that Jesus rose from us. And we recognize that he is still in control. He is alive and well and he is reigning at the right hand of God the Father in heaven, right? We proclaim that week after week. And I love how John sums it up. And we even touched on this on Christmas Eve. And here's what it says in John 1, verses 12 and 13. Yet to all who did receive him, talking about Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. What is John talking about there? He's talking about adoption. He's talking about adoption. Just like Paul, John and Paul are both talking about the importance of adoption, that we need to be adopted into God's family through this gift of faith that he offers us in the person of Jesus Christ, not just in his birth, not just in his sinless life, not just in his death. Those are all important parts of the process but in his resurrection and then his ascension into heaven, his victory over death once and for all. He takes away the penalty and he takes away the power of sin on our behalf. And that's what it's talking about. And that through this relationship, we can be adopted into God's family. Now, back in John's time and Paul's time, if you were adopted into a family, it was permanent. It was permanent. You cannot be unadopted. You cannot be unadopted. And I love the beauty of that picture because it's the same for us with God. When you are adopted as a child of God's, you can never be unadopted. Isn't that so comforting to know? It's not based on your performance. It's based on God's grace and his love for you. When you are adopted as a son or daughter of God, you can never be unadopted. That ought to give you such security and confidence and comfort. It is an amazing gift 
from God. And that's what we see happening here. And that's what's happening as we look to answer that question, so what? So what? So what that Jesus was born? And it begins to get after the answer to the question of now what? Now what do I do with that? How do I live my life as a result? Look at verse 6. It says, because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Now, if, if being an adopted child of God was not enough, he's got more. He has more for you. And two things we see here are, are this. One, he says he's got his spirit for you. There's the Holy Spirit. And then two, there's a godly inheritance. There's a godly inheritance awaiting you. So let's consider, first of all, what an amazing gift the Holy Spirit is. You know, I, I think, sadly, he is the most overlooked, underappreciated, and underutilized gift God gives us. I, I think the Holy Spirit is the most unappreciated gift that God gives us. Think about this, that when you are adopted into God's family, the sign that you are adopted is that he seals you with his spirit. He puts the spirit of Jesus right in you. And the Holy Spirit doesn't come and go like he used to do before Jesus died and rose from the grave and ascended into heaven. He, didn't just, he doesn't just come upon you for a purpose or for a season, but he comes and he stays. That's powerful. The power of God's spirit within you. And, and so many people that, that claim to be children of God and followers of God just really denounce Sometimes the Holy Spirit ignore the Holy Spirit's presence in their lives, ignore the power of the Holy Spirit that he offers us. And I think it's a tragic, tragic thing. I think he is the greatest gift that any man, woman, or child can ever receive. Now think about some of the, the things that um, he does for us and that he brings to us. You know, for one, he, he comes and he brings gifts. And, and Sometimes there are gifts that we don't necessarily think of, or maybe we've, we've never even um, considered what these gifts are or how they, they might relate to us, but he, he gives gifts like prophecy. He said that's a gift that's available to everybody here. Do you know what it is? Have you ever explored it or sought it out more? He says that it's available to you all. He, he has more gifts, gifts like leadership or um, Giving is a gift. Serving. He has all these different gifts. I, I, I think of um, teaching and mercy are, are gifts of the Holy Spirit that he offers his people, adopted sons and daughters of God. Not only does he bring gifts, but um, he brings some, of, some really interesting ones, some more miraculous ones, too. Some people re receive this gift to be able to identify the difference between certain spirits, which may freak some of us out, right? But we live in a spiritual realm. There's a lot going on around us that we can't see or understand maybe. Um, he gives some people the ability to, to perform miracles at times or, or healing. Some have, have this gift of, of wisdom, and they can 
just share these words of knowledge that come directly from God. Others can, from time to time, speak in a language that is foreign to them, that they've never studied, and then all of a sudden they find themselves proclaiming this gospel, this good news of Jesus in a language they're not familiar with. And still others are given this gift to be able to interpret what that person is saying. Miraculous gifts are available to us through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That's, that's what you get if you are an adopted son or daughter of God. And he doesn't stop there. He doesn't stop there. He also brings fruit, and, and the sweetest of fruit, right? The kind of fruit that we're all longing for, like love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. He, he brings them in abundance into our lives. He is such an amazing gift, the bearer of all good gifts. Um, he goes on beyond that, and he offers to uh, guide us on a daily basis, not just on the big decisions that we make. Have you ever noticed that we have a tendency, like we seek God on these big decisions? You know, should I marry this person? You know, should I? Maybe some of you guys should have done that. The, uh, anyhow, the, uh, but, you know, do I um, make this career change? You know, we, we think these are things that are worthy of God, you know, the really big things in life. But he's like, no, I've given you my spirit. Ask me anything. Like, I care about the, the smallest details of your life. I wish you would just ask me. I could save you so much trouble. Just ask me, and I will guide you. And, and sometimes we don't even know how to pray, pray, and he says, would you just let me pray for you? I'll, I'll pray for you. I'll pray in, in ways that you don't understand. That's the gift of the Holy Spirit as children of God. So he brings gifts. It goes on to um, say that we even get this inheritance. You know, I don't even need an inheritance. I'm like, I'm good with the Holy Spirit. Like, you have given me plenty, Lord. I don't need an inheritance. And he says, but, I, like, I want to give you more. I want to give you more. And he says, I, I want to spend eternity with you. If you read Revelation, it talks about... Um, a new heaven and a new earth that God is going to bring about. It's this picture of redeeming and restoring the earth that we live in, that we would, we would dwell here with God in person. And it would be a place that has been um, restored so it, it is free of pollution. It is free of disease. It's free of death. It's free of dying. It's free of mourning. It's free of crying. It's fear, free of fear. Imagine when all of your needs are taken care of, you have nothing to fear. That's part of your inheritance. That's part of your inheritance. And you can begin to realize that right here and right now. That's your inheritance as a child of God, an adopted son or daughter of his. And it keeps on going. Um, Again, as Jesus initiated this, this freedom from the penalty and the power of sin, we, we will live in such a world with God that we're free of even the temptation of it. Imagine living free of even sin's temptation. All of that is part of your inheritance. God is so good. God is so good. And this is what he has for you. So 
I want us to consider the importance of adoption and all that it represents. The so what and the now what. So what? So what difference does Jesus' birth, his sinless life, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension into heaven, so what? What difference does that make for me? And now what? How should I live as a result of that? Um, I think the first thing we have to ask is, is have you been adopted into God's family? Everybody here has to consider that. Everybody watching needs to consider, have you been adopted into God's family? Do you have that kind of assurance, that, that peace that just says, yes, I know that God has chosen me as his son or his daughter. Yes. Do you have that kind of assurance? Because you can have it. And it's not, not arrogance. It's not pride that says yes. It's this assurance that comes because you recognize I have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. I'm different than I was. I am different than I was. Is your life different than it was? Again, a great indicator that you have been chosen. You've been set apart. You're an adopted child of God. And um, have you begun to experience some victory in life? Victory over, over that, that power of sin. Are you you're starting to see that before you enter into it, you, the Holy Spirit's like, don't do it. And you're like, I hear you. And sometimes you obey him. And sometimes you go, I'm going anyhow. And you're coming with me. Right? You know, that's a sad thing, isn't it? Like when you go into sin now, guess who's going with you? You're dragging God right along with you. That is an awful thought for me. That helps me to keep from going in there sometimes. You know, we're all guilty of sin. But that's, that's the thing. Like when you feel that inner struggle, that's a good sign. If you are struggling, saying, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to do that anymore. Remember, that's what the Apostle Paul was saying in Romans, that dude was more godly than I think any of us. And he's like, why do I do the things I don't want to do and I don't do the things that I know I should do? Right? If you feel that struggle, that's a good sign. That's a good sign that you've been adopted as a son or daughter of God. So um, another thing I would encourage you to do is ask some people who know you well. Ask some people who know you well. And it's a hard ask sometimes. And just ask them, do you see some of the gifts of the Spirit in my life? Do you see some of the gifts of the Spirit? If so, what gifts of the Spirit do you see in my life? Ask. Do you see the fruit of the Spirit growing in my life? Do you, do you see more and more of the love and the joy in my life? Is that growing in my life? Do you see that? Because if they do, that's a great sign that you've been adopted as a son or daughter of God. Do you see those things? And then ask yourself, am I honestly and truly allowing the Holy Spirit to guide me? Am I allowing him to guide me? Do I seek him out and then see him leading me? Ask these questions. Seek these answers because there is nothing more important than being an adopted son or daughter of God. And the sign that you have been adopted is that you have his spirit living inside of you. 
forever and ever. So, you know, I, I believe 2024 is intended to be our best year yet for every single one of us. That does not mean it is going to be an easy year. Usually it, it means there will be trials and there will be tribulations. There's going to be different challenges that we're going to face. But I believe when we fully um, recognize our identity as sons or daughters in God's family, we approach it differently, right? I think we have a newfound confidence. And we rec when we recognize, I have God's spirit living inside of me. He wants to guide me. He wants to direct me. He wants to refine me. Then all of a sudden you wake up and you start asking questions like, all right, God, who do you have for us today? Who, who, who do you want us to, to love like Jesus this morning, this afternoon, this evening? What adventure are we going on today? What do you have in store for us? What challenges are we going to face? What obstacles are we going to overcome together? And you see and you approach the world differently. That's what changes when you truly know not just the birth of Jesus, not just the sinless life or his death, but you know the power of his resurrection and his ascending into heaven, never to die again. Everything changes. I want to leave you with a couple special photos to me in an attempt to um, hopefully get you to take something from this message with you. You know, a lot of times it's helpful. If you see a picture, then all of a sudden you remember some of what you heard, right? Because right now you probably remember nothing about what I've just said, right? But hopefully with an image, maybe you'll remember one or two little, little tidbits. So here, here's one of my favorite pictures um, this is like the cutest photo I think I have. It's in my office. Some of you guys have seen this before. Some of you guys were even a part of this. So this is from May in 2013. So that is uh, Sam. Like that, that little dude's cute. You know, he is just Mr. Photogenic. Got that cute little thing going. Cody, always looking good. Craig, you know, he's Already thinking about playing as Xbox or something there. But the, uh, anyhow, like, aren't they just adorable? This was a special day. Penny Feltz took this picture. This is at the, the courthouse in Fincastle. This is the day that those boys officially became McLucases. They were officially adopted into our family. That is a precious, precious photo of mine. Now, they had been part of our family for a long time already before that, but this is when it became official. Isn't that sweet? I got another one. It's not quite as cute, but it's more meaningful. And so uh, let's just say that's Cody, all right? I don't know who it is, to be honest. <laughs> like, they all kind of look the same to me. But the, uh, this is the moment that I baptized at least one of them, and I baptized all three of them. I just don't know which one's in this photo, all right? But I got, like, three different photos. They all look the same. But here it is. But... Um, this is even more precious. It's not as cute, but it's more significant because this is the moment where they officially said, I've been adopted into God's family. I am a son of God. And as a dad, and now I'm a, a granddad, there is nothing more important to me than that. I want every one of my children and all of my grandchildren to be adopted into God's family. I want them to be sons or daughters of God. Nothing else matters beyond that. 
If that is true, everything else will take care of itself. It's the most important thing. So what? So what difference does Jesus make in your life? And now what? Christmas has come. Christmas is passing. A new year is upon us. Now what are you going to do? Let's pray. God, I just want to stop right here now and just say if there's anybody here or watching online that doesn't have that assurance that you are a son or daughter of God and that's what you long for, then I just want to help you gain that assurance. I want to invite you to pray with me. Just begin by just being honest with God. God, I've been guilty of sinning, of turning my back on you and going my own way. And I am sorry. I am in need of rescue. I am in need of redemption. Would you do that for me? Would you choose me and set me apart? Would you invite me into your family? I believe, Jesus, that you came and were born for me, that, that you lived a sinless life for me, that, that you died for me, that, that you rose to new life for, for me, and, and I believe you ascended into heaven for me. I, I, I believe, and, and you tell me in John that if I believe, then I've been given the right to be called a son or a daughter of yours. Thank you for that gift. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come into my life right now, that you would seal my life with your presence. And, and I pray that you'd bring all the gifts that, that you want to bestow, not, not for my use, not just for my enjoyment, but that I might be used by you, that I wouldn't be redeemed just to be set on a shelf, but I'd be redeemed for the sake of others so that they too might experience the joy of being a son or daughter of yours. I pray for more and more of your fruit in my life, that I would allow your fruit to grow and to blossom and to spread and to be enjoyed by others. Holy Spirit, we thank you for the gift. And I, and I, I just recognize that for anybody who, who has prayed this earnestly and honestly, that now they would have the assurance that they are a son or daughter of God. We thank you, Lord. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.